Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. Ziggy jumping on the beat to show that he is flexible. I'm aware that I'm a beast or three, so please don't testable. You won't see me mountain state cheap cause that thriving spectacle. Walking down the street, punk rocking, yes I'm so electable. I'm aware this flow is getting easier to read, so now I gotta mix it up and bury the lead. So I can throw the change up while I'm bringing the heat. So stand up to the plate so I can bench you in three. Yeah, you boy. may think I'm new, but I've years I've had a name. You may think I play, but I am the king of games. You may think you trapping, but I'll clear you in phase. Cause you ain't got the heart and on the cards throw the blame. But let my words here, soulmate's body But my wit lit up like a 12-gauge shoddy On wax sweep the leg, Daniel Sankarati I'm done, just mic drop, watch me Ooh, the level of skills is rising up And crashing through This is Dad And Ziggy And we are The that's right, your favorite weekly pop culture digest taking our pop perspective To put the culture in context And make the mainstream Make sense. sense That's right, that's right You know what you can find us at The Flood Pod, and that is on everything And that's on everything, he said So I think the reason Doc sounds so exasperated or sarcastic in the intro Is because we just recorded the trailer So we probably have done the intro about 30 times already I was just going for Midwestern dad, eh? You know, don't semi, you know? Semi Canadian, but don't not you know? Full blooded American, eh? Well, I mean, that border's easy to pass through. <laughs> There's no Canadian wall. Eh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you want to go up to Canada right now, anyway. From what I hear, it's not pretty up there right now. The stabbings, the rate of stabbings are rising. Oh. It's stabbings. Yeah. Stabbings? Stabbings. 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 Okay. To quote Chris Rock, if a hundred people ever got stabbed at the same time, in the same place, by the same person, you know what that would mean? 97 people deserve to die. <laughs> what, you just watching this shit? <laughs> oh shit, somebody got stabbed. Ooh, they stabbed somebody else. Ooh, he stabbed somebody else. Ooh, he getting closer. Ooh, he stabbed me. I didn't see that coming. What about... 25 and 10 dead, 15 injured. Who the fuck was it? A ninja? <laughs> I mean, the whole time though, whole time. How the fuck do you take out 25 people with a knife? With all due respect, I think I'd rather be shot than stabbed to death. I'm just saying. If I Honestly, had to pick a way to go, I'd probably rather be shot to death too than stabbed, than to, stabbed death. to death. Right, right. Because I don't know. It just being stabbed to death feels like it's way more inconvenient. Um, I was gonna say you get to see the pure visceral hatred of mankind before your lights go out. All right, 
Calm down, Caesar. Just because... <laughs> Just Before you die, you lose all faith in humanity. Yes, we know that stabbing is way more intimate than being shot, right? Although, somebody can walk up... So what do you think is more colder than walking up on a nigga and poking him to death? Or walking up on a nigga and just emptying the clip out in, in his whole, in his face, right? Just Coldest? One shot. Frank Lucas style. I mean, turning Frank a Lucas in style. Swiss Coldest? Cheese. One shot. Alright. Not even gonna empty the clip because it's worth, it, it saves money. This is a That's very, the coldest. This is a very disrespectful way to say R.I.P. Pat's Day. Um, famous battle rapper R.I.P. Pat Stay. Uh, one of the... I was gonna say something about American Gangster real quick. So, you know the scene where like, like they're it. all they're all in the, the diner? Well, like, everybody's got all of their, like, tattoos and everything covered up, except for RZA, who just has the Woo W blatantly on his arm. He probably was like, I'm not covering that shit up. I like how you interrupted my moratorium <laughs> just now. Is that the right word for that? I don't know. It feels right. I like how you interrupted my moratorium just now to remind us that Rizza refused and will continue to refuse to cover up his Wu-Tang tattoo. Yeah, no, Pat State, who is, was a famous Canadian battle rapper who got his fame in the King of the Dot Battle Rap League. Uh, one of the two biggest battle rap leagues on YouTube at the height of, I would say, what was the battle rap movement, probably what, like 2016, 2012, 2016 era. And right now, uh, I don't think he was a part of like the mass stabbing that happened, which just goes to show you that it's a problem right now. Uh, just like with the at least it's not at schools. Um, I guess that's all right. I, I'm, cut that I'm gonna. Out. This is this is my fucked up logical mind thinking for a second. Ten dead, fifteen injured. That person was incredibly skilled. Incredibly skilled. That's your takeaway from this? Is that it is incredibly skilled? I wish I had the article up so I could give a little bit more context on this. Um, like that sounds like some John Wick shit. It really does. If you think about it. If I thought about it, I would be trying to find, you know, some kind of cultural relevance, right? To really. I did! John Wick! Hit home. You know, something that might have happened in history previously, but also something that we could talk about. So you're, you're trying to find, like, empathetic cultural. Like, I'm trying to just, like, show, like, this dude was good with the knife. I'm trying to talk about. Something that happened this day in history, one week from today. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future! Boom! I like your transition there. The show, the show, the segment we like to start our show off with, where we take a look back into history before we talk about what happened this week and see if there's anything, you know, culturally relevant. But, you know, we record now. a week behind, so the day you'll be hearing this is yeah. actually a week ahead for us when we're doing this. At least the day that you'll hear this segment, because for our old listeners, we've changed up our schedule and the way we drop, so now it's three days a week instead of one day a week. But this joke will still land because 
this day in history is September 10th. September 10th. So, almost it seems like a weekly appearance on this segment. In 1776, guess who it is? Take a guess. Is it Q? No. Oh. It's G Dubs, fan of the or a uh, pod, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, George Washington. Oh, dollar dollar bill, your old dirty bastard himself. So I picked this one because it actually involves my like deep cut favorite historical figure in American history. A deep cut about George Washington? George Washington asks for a spy volunteer and Nathan Hale volunteers. Nathan Hale was like George Washington's like secret general that he would always rely on. He did guerrilla warfare against the British. Secret general? Oh, so you know America has always been up to that shifty shit. He was the one that would do the type of hit-and-run tactics that you would see more in, like, Eastern warfare and guerrilla warfare, and it was not something the British were prepared can to deal give, with at all. Can you give all. us an example of some of the tactics that uh, Nathan Hale used during Ghillie his... suits on patrol roads? Ghillie suits? Ghillie suits on patrol roads and taking hey, yo, out the British and travel. Yo, what does an 1800s ghillie suit look like? You know that got, like, feces all up in it. Right. Real trees and shit. You gotta disguise yourself from the basset hounds and everything. Right? But like, like straight up, like ghillie suits on hillsides, taking out the British and travel. That's kind of baller, though. Like, right? I'm not gonna hold you. Like, that's kind of savage, really. Um, like in the 1800s in the, too. The, but then again, also in the 1700s. In the 1700s, right? Because you did say 1776. Excuse me. So in the 1700s, but also you didn't have like heat lamps and it's not heat lamps you didn't have like heat vision and stuff like that right so like the the muskets and it took forever to load muskets up right so it probably was like extra easy to just hop out on a nigga in a ghillie suit so yeah so I why mean, like, is this culturally relevant though Nathan Hale is an extraordinary figure because he joined the revolutionary militia in Connecticut five months later was promoted to first lieutenant damn in five months huh Mm-hmm. How old was he? 20. Okay. Okay, so he came in balling, right? He was like, nah, I'm about this shit, right? Let's get rid of them red coats. Uh, Hale was also a part of Knowlton's Rangers, the first organized intelligence service organization of the United States. I'm not gonna lie to you, Knowlton's Rangers sounds mad racist. I don't know why, it just feels like the connotation of it sounds like they was rounding up niggas. Hale volunteered on September 8, 1776 to go behind enemy lines and report on British troop movements. Actually, this Wikipedia article needs to be corrected because it's actually September 10th. <laughs> volunteered to go to behind enemy lines and report on British troop movements, which he knew was an act of spying punishable by death. Hale planned to disguise himself as a Dutch schoolteacher looking for work, though he did not travel under an assumed name and reportedly carried with him his Yale diploma burying yeah, his name. I'm just a Dutch schoolteacher. <laughs> no, there's nothing to worry about. I would never do any kind of spying or anything of the nature such. Nope, just an innocent Dutch schoolteacher. 
Nathan Hale has one of the most iconic quotes in American history as well, and I'm sure you've heard this one before. Ooh, have I? I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Mm. Mm. Talk that talk! Nathan Hale is a fucking boss. Baller. Okay, so... Okay, so, 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 so... Next. What else you got? This one is just a freak number. If you, in 1960, New York Yankee Mickey Mantle hits a 643-foot home run over the right field roof in Detroit. Mickey Mantle? Mickey Mantle. What year? 1960. 1960. So he cracked that motherfucker. Do you want to know how far it is to the left field porch in Camden Yards? So was that Camden? No, 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 no. This is way... Camden was built in 92. Okay, all right. But so, I, just to give you a frame of reference. Right. You've been to Camden Yards. Yes. So the left field porch, the very... That's like 350 feet. So this was like that and then out into the parking lot. Like to the... He literally hit it into the parking lot. He cleared the parking lot. Yeah. He, he got... He cleared the top roof of so the stadium. He cracked, so he cracked it. <laughs> he laid that ball. All right, so so my question like is... Like, every single home run that gets onto Utah Street at Camden Yards is marked with, like, a little, like, brass or uh, bronze marker where the ball landed, right? And they give the total distance from home plate. It's like 457, 460. Yeah, Mickey Mantle hit that thing over 600 fucking feet. So do you think he was on, on the roids? It was 1960. He was probably drunk. Do you think that's better than the Roids, though? He was probably on some kind of upper, right? Because they was all greenies. They was all doing speed back then. Little greenies, so, little jack. There was a uh, that motherfucker into the parking lot. The New York Yankees wanted to have Mickey Mantle come back for the 50th anniversary of Yankee Stadium. So this is the letter that was written to Mickey. Dear Mickey, as you probably know, 1973 marks the 50th anniversary of Yankee Stadium, and we're going to have a season-long golden anniversary celebration. Gold. We hope to mark the occasion on Old Timers Day, Saturday, August 11th, as well as individual dates throughout the season. We thought it would be interesting to lean on what you considered your outstanding event at Yankee Stadium. In many cases, in many cases, the answer is obvious. But we are writing a large number of your former teammates and asking you this question. Mickey Mantle, I got a blowjob underneath the right field bleachers by the Yankee bullpen. This event occurred on or about, it was about the third or fourth inning. I had pulled a groin and I couldn't fuck at the time. So I let her pull my She was a very nice girl and asked me what to do with the cub after. Essence spit it into the catcher's mitt, baby. I come in her mouth. I said, don't ask me. I'm no cocksucker. (laughs) Sign Mickey Mantle. Why the fuck would I know what to do with cum, bitch? I play baseball. (laughs) You kidding me? What to do with the cum? I don't know. I'm no cocksucker. (laughs) Bitch, I hit fucking home runs. 650-something feet. (laughs) Can you, can you spit that 650-something feet? No? Well, then you figure out what to do with it. That would be superhuman, dog. (laughs) 
Yo, I like how we ended this grand achievement with reminding everybody. With another grand achievement. <laughs> I bet you she wasn't even on the training staff, but it was a groin injury. But it was a groin injury. He was getting some physical therapy, all right? All right, yeah. continuing in sports history of multifaceted athletes. Salacious sports history. In 1989, five days after hitting a home run for the Yankees in a 12-2 win over the Mariners, Deion Sanders runs a punt return 68 yards for a touchdown. Well, 68 yards. After hitting a home run earlier in the week for another professional for another professional sports team. Isn't it wild to be playing two sports at the same time? Yeah, there are only two athletes who are really known for it, and it's Dion and Bo Jackson. Listen, some people are just built different. That's crazy. Do you want to know how different? Do you want to know how built different Bo Jackson is or built was? Different. Do you know what the injury was that really ended his career? What? So Bo was running, and somebody grabbed his leg on what would be a normal tackle, but Bo was moving with so much momentum and weight that his the socket of his leg got pulled out. He was too fast and strong to even be tackled normal. And it worked against him. How poetically trained. You can look up Bo Jackson career highlights and you'll get a mix of both sports. Like he has two crazy iconic plays and one is where he runs the touchdown through, he's going so fast, he has to go into the uh, the tunnel. Run through the storm. Bro. And then the other one, he's playing center field for the White Sox, and he does three steps up the wall and robs a home run. Listen. While guys, cracking home runs. Some, some people are just built different, right? Some people are just built different. Well, in 1991... The rock band Nirvana releases their single, Smells Like Teen Spirit. September 10th, uh, September 10th, 1991. Did it debut on MTV? Of course it did. Uh, but the funny thing is, is about the, the time that this was released and it went like super mega everywhere. Yeah, they weren't even there. They weren't, no, they weren't even in America. They were touring in Europe at the time. Oh, wow. Well, okay, so they were known then, right? Like, I, I they were like, all in like smaller venues, and then all of a sudden they yeah. exploded. That's how. Listen, that's how it used to happen, right? Is that still how it happens? You think that's still how it happens? I don't know, but Kurt hated the fame the whole time. Mm -hmm. Which is always wild to me. I mean, I guess, right? Like, yeah, the attention. He might have grown into it if he wasn't murdered. What a twist! Because, yeah, we all know that Kurt Cobain was murdered. There were no fingerprints on the shotgun. The suicide note had two different styles of handwriting, and the only part that made it sound like a suicide note was distinctly in a different handwriting. He had more heroin in his system than, like, a fucking horse could function. 
So... He also, like, jailbroke out of rehab, like, a week before. So, listen, okay, that, I feel like, didn't help your case, right? Like, when you mentioned the fact that he broke out of rehab, what do you think a person who is, like, unstable enough to break out of rehab... Okay, I get that it takes some kind of, like, cleverness. Nobody said you can't be clever and unstable at the same time. Of course he's clever. He wrote Smells Like Teen Spirit. Which is also a really... Really well, let's talk about this for a second. So we're like, we so may we may be just like it. talking about how Kurt Cobain was <laughs> murdered, but let's talk about the impact of this song for a minute. It's called the Anthem of Gen X. But the thing is, is like, do you think most Gen Xers would agree with that? I don't think they would anymore. I feel like Smells Like Teen Spirit is almost like a type of song that gets handed down across generations because it meant a lot to me when I was a teenager. So Also, I at least once a year always listen to Nevermind front to back. The album is phenomenal. I have a hot take. I don't think you're gonna like it either. The way you're setting it up, I'm not. Smells Like Teen Spirit. Why California Love? I was gonna say Hotline Bling, but I didn't want to be that egregious. Also, I feel like that is disrespectful. Um, Are you saying, like, (laughs) Smells Like Teen Spirit is what Hotline Bling is to your delegation? Not my delegation, but this generation. I'll give you this. It's not the best Nirvana song. I will definitely give you that. I'm not I'm not trying to be disrespectful. That's why I didn't say like hotline bling, but what I'm saying effectively, my point is, is smells like teen spirit is probably one of Nirvana's more marketable like commercial hits. It's probably one that Kurt didn't. I, I don't know. You would know better than me if Kurt. Like, it's not favorite. Kurt's favorite. Exactly. But it's one that corporate America went. Oh, you know what we can do with that? I think California we can make people love. It. If you actually think, if I think about that for a second, time frame wise, yeah. Sound wise, yeah. Appeal, yeah. Everybody who knows smells like Teen Spirit also knows California. Also, or. Or, or, I will see your smells like Teen Spirit. I think they are very, I think I consider them musical peers. I would almost call them musical siblings. I will raise you, it was all a dream. I was actually going to say Juicy. I was thinking Juicy when... Same Same (sighs) I think California Love is a better comparison. Do you? For my delegation, overall, I am... I am certainly not one of these people, but the equivalent of Juicy would be Don't Stop Believing. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Of how uplifting Juicy is? Yeah. <laughs> California Love is still kind of gritty, just like Smells Like Teen Spirit, so I think those that's a really good comparison. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you anymore on it. And it's not like we can't... California Love is a great fucking song. Yeah. It's no, not like we're... I'm so- not- Smells Like Teen Spirit is a great fucking song. I wasn't disagreeing. Dr. Dre is on record as saying it's his favorite rock song. 
Somehow I feel like that's bullshit. He, I mean, he said it in the interview uh, series he did with Jimmy Iovine. You didn't help me feel like it was less bullshit now, but I mean... It was while he was mixing and everything. I mean, look, I'm, it, it, it can't... It, I'm not saying it can't... It doesn't shock me, because it would be, like, really big when Dre was, what, 28? I guess that's the time he would be into rock music. Like, it just... Also, Dr. Dre's the type of person, I'm not shocked when he hears any kind of music, because he's Dr. fucking Dre, and music is his life. Dr. fucking Dre? Don't, don't fucking Kyle me, bro. Oh, bullshit. I do want to talk about the white people archetypes one of these days. The delegational archetypes like the Kyle, the Becky. We all know what the carrot is. So, is in that... 1999. So, in 1999. Fight Club. Hey, more recent. Directed by David Fincher and starring Edward Norton and Brad Pitt. Premieres at the Venice Film Festival. The most Brad Pittiest of all the Brad Pitt films. It is definitely one of Brad's more iconic movies. Yes, <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> no, uh, no disrespect to Brad Pitt. And no, I, I will Club. say, like, <laughs> Fight it's... Club is a good movie. I just hate. I will that. also say that, like, even though I am talking about like, so Brad Pitt has a ton of range, but I want to say, like, you know, it's not a bad thing to have just like a Brad Pitt movie because sometimes you just you need to have that actor do something like Denzel can just like dominate a movie he's like I'm Denzel like in John Q that's one of the most like Denzel movies imaginable have you read the book have you ever read the Fight Club book I haven't it's pretty good I've read pieces of it Uh, I have not read the entire thing as of yet the movie is a pretty good it's a pretty good adaptation of the book I just hate that incels love it so much I feel like they kind of missed the point of the movie follow up on last week's episode are Dan Price and Deshaun Watson incels no I feel like they're the opposite of incels right cause like incels are voluntarily celibate like no they're not that's no, what, they're fucking not. That's what incel means. It's literally an acronym for involuntarily celibate. Like, not voluntarily celibate. Involuntary. Like, they get no play. Yeah, no, like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, Yeah, but I don't think that fits Deshaun Watson and... What was the other guy's name? Dan Price? Yeah, what, what did Dan Price do again? Uh, he's just, like, a drunken fucking asshole. Oh, okay. Well... Incels can be drunk and fucking assholes. Yeah, I know. Sometimes you gotta kick them to the curb. Because in 2019... Oh, trans... U.S. President Donald Trump fires his third national security advisor, John Bolton. Isn't it crazy how this man was literally able to just run through, like... He apprenticed the White House. That is how you sequester power in the United States government by placing all kinds of acting chiefs of staff. Yep. Acting security. Like, listen. They don't have to be congressionally approved. The man didn't write the playbook, but he sure as hell exposed it. Yeah. Speaking of getting exposed, seems like our boy Donnie 
has really gotten himself in a bit of a bag of trouble. And we'll talk about that more after this break. Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates.